Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. My name is Matt, and I'm the lead pastor at Vintage Church. We're so grateful that you would take time to lean into a teaching from one of our weekend worship gatherings. Each week, one of our pastors opens the Word of God with a relevant message in the hopes that you are inspired to live and love like Jesus. We invite you now to open your heart and mind and lean into the Word of God. You know, I was telling, every, before every gathering, every single Sunday, there's a group of guys that pull me um, back in the back cave and uh, pray over me. And I was telling them this morning, like sometimes as a preacher, you, you, you think you're more important than you are. And you try to have these profound things or whatever to say. And I'm going to go ahead and say today, I'm not going to tell you anything you haven't already heard before. But what I'm going to remind you of today is a really important, powerful truth, okay? And because we've, we've been in this series that called Across the Threshold. And if, you, if you're new to our church, maybe you haven't been here in a while, we've been kind of leaning into this whole concept, trying to get us all to take a good, hard look at whatever we call home. Believing that if, if things are gonna change in our world, if things are gonna change in the church, if things are gonna change in culture, if, if all the change that we know needs to happen in the world, it's gonna, it's gonna have to happen in your home, my home. That if revival's gonna start, it has to happen in the four walls or whatever. It has to start first in your heart, then in your home, then we're gonna change the world. Come on, somebody. Like, that's the way it has to happen. You get a home full of hearts on fire for Jesus, and that home will be a unique and special place. And so we've been in this across the threshold series, having these conversations, and we were supposed to move on a few weeks ago, and, or, or two weeks ago, and, and God just won't let us. And because here's the reality, how you turn out is directly connected to the home you grow up in. How you turn out is directly connected to the home that you grow up in. And I don't know what kind of home you're growing up in right now, and maybe the home that you're trying to create after you've been listening to this series is, is, is the one that you grew up in. And some of us, like, that's our target, that we grew up in such amazing homes with great parents and a great family, and our hope is just to establish, to create something that's like that, something that, that mirrors the home that we grew up in because it was amazing. I, I, that's me. Now, my, my home wasn't, wasn't perfect, and, and, and my parents had issues. And let me just go ahead and say, if somehow in this series you've gotten from me that you need to set this target of perfection, that's not what I'm trying to do. That your home is perfect, there's no dirty dishes in the sink, there's no dirty clothes on the floor, there's never any conflict, nobody ever has an argument. It's funny, when I say that, people are like, I told you to do them dishes. Even the pastor knows they're at the house. <laughs> like, that's not the goal. My home was amazing. My parents are amazing, but we weren't without our issues, our struggles, financially, spiritually at times. My, if, I say this because my parents have told you. My, my dad pastored for 40 for something years. My mom and dad have been married for like 112 years or something like that. Actually, no, my parents have been married for, I think, 55 years. They got married when they were four. <laughs> but there was a season when my dad left the ministry and they had some issues. My dad actually moved out for a while and they came really close. My mom calls it the year of hail. And I know I said that really Southern, hail, you know. <laughs> but that's what she calls it. And God can work. See, uh, the home that you're shooting for is not the one that's not gonna have, be absent of adversity. A healthy, godly home is the one when it goes through that adversity, it handles it with biblical mindset and love and grace so that you can work through it, grow from it, and come out on the other side stronger as a family. 
So like part of me, like, I, and I just think if, if, if I can build half the home that my parents built for us, then, then I'm doing a good job. But there's some people in the room, you're, you're doing everything you can to not have the home you grew up with. Your whole goal in life is to create something other than that. You're, the family that you grew up in put you at the bottom of the hill and said, good luck climbing up. And you're working so hard to have a different kind of marriage, to have a different kind of relationship with your kids, to do some different things with your resources and that kind of stuff. But I just, I heard a preacher say one time that the family that you come from doesn't have to limit who you become. That was a good word, wasn't it? That's a... But the, fa- the home that you grow up in, man, it, it impacts how you turn out and those homes are really affecting us in so many ways. And I was so blessed to grow up in a home that, that fostered my dreams and, and championed my, my ideas and taught me Jesus first and foremost. That I got to watch two people, my mom and my dad, who really, again, they were not perfect, but they tried to live in love like Jesus. And I got to watch them in front of my very own eyes what it meant not to just go to church, but to have a real daily active relationship with Jesus because there's a difference. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all know that kind of stuff, man. My parents, you know, when I was growing up, they always were my greatest champion. Even, even the silly things that I did, they applauded. When I was a little kid, I liked to play dress up. Now, I said that in the first service, and y'all look at me like I'm crazy. That's not what I'm talking about. But, like, I, I like to morph, like, into characters. You know what I'm saying? Anybody else? Like, you, I had this wild imagination, and I would, I mean, we'd go to babysitters, and I was, we would roll the windows down, and my babysitters, bright white, red pinstripe, 1982 Monte Carlo, and I would climb in the windows just like Bo Duke. <laughs> there is still skid marks probably across that car from my shoe of trying to go across the hood, just and having to crawl across the hood of the car and come out. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about because you had a desperately bad childhood and you don't know who Bo and Luke Duke are. I mean, I was that little kid and, and like I, I had to go all the way. I had to do all the things, man. Like even when I was a little kid, I had, I had superhero underoos. Anybody remember what underoos were? Okay, that, I, I won't give a description then if y'all know what they are. But like, I couldn't dress up like Superman. I had to put on my Superman stuff, then my Sunday clothes over the top so I could go from Clark Kent to Superman while I ran down the sidewalk. That's who I was. But I also always wanted to dress up like one of my favorite heroes, my dad. And I would. My dad, he grew up in a different time in ministry. He never wore this to preach. Um, but my dad, when he got home, his, his at-home attire was a white V-neck T-shirt, and some like faded blue pajama bottoms. Like anybody, you know, that, that Hanes, not, before, before it was cool on worship leaders, it was on pastors, that deep V-neck T-shirt. And so like I had to dress up like my dad and I would put on my, my V-neck T-shirt and my, my whatever sweatpants I could find and I would go sit next to my dad and like watch TV. And my dad wore glasses, so I would like, I need a pair of glasses. So my dad would get like an old pair of glasses and I'm sitting on these Coke bottle things on saying, all right, let's watch Gunsmoke, Daddy, you know? <laughs> Father's an important thing. You know, we're talking about homes for all these weeks, and, and yeah, moms are absolutely essential, and that's not, don't misunderstand what I'm saying, but man, fa- 
Father is an important thing. And we live in a culture where father is becoming an absent thing. I mean, it's a growing trend. Like we're talking about these homes. There's not a lot of homes in our culture anymore that have fathers in them. I've heard statistics like one out of every four is, actually has a father in it. Something crazy like that. I don't even know how true those things are, but I know just from my own experience and those of you in the room, whether you're a teacher, an educator, or just you know from your own neighborhood and experience, we live in a generation of fatherlessness. And here's what's scary. Father is a label that we get to carry, but it's also one we share with God, that term. Are you following me? And what we have to realize is there's a deep connection in the father that we know and how we perceive God. See, I don't know what the father that you know was like. I know there's some people in the room, man, you're like me. You grow up with this shining, amazing example of God, of a godly man, of what that meant, who loved you and cared for you and was compassionate and gracious. And even those of us who grew up like that, they are only a mere attempt at a reflection of his perfection. But there's some of us, we grew up with dads that are exact opposite of that. That we grew up with dads that were completely absent or maybe even extremely abusive or maybe even so demanding we never felt like we could live up. And then we have religious folks or Christians show up and talk to us about our heavenly father. And whether you, we want to admit it or whether we like it or not, our idea of the earthly father that we know, it impacts the, the, the father that desires to be known. See, we have the father that we know, then we have the father that desires to be known. And whatever our father experience is in this life, it causes us to project things on the heavenly father that we're trying to be told about in scripture or being introduced to by people who know and love Jesus and know what it's like to walk in relationship with him. And the father that you know has either been an obstacle to the father that desires to be known or maybe he's been like a conduit that helps you see him. And I don't know where you are on that spectrum, but I know the moment I say that word, Father, that you, all, you already have an image. Come on. And for most of us, it's the earthly one, good, bad, and different. And so often, the Father that was represented in our homes shapes our idea of the heavenly Father that is our God. It, it shapes that image. And so many people, one of the biggest reasons why they're, they're resistant to or they reject the whole concept of God, and especially God as Father, is because this fatherlessness that exists in our culture so much. But all throughout the pages of this book, all the way through, he continues to point to the reality that he desires to operate with us, engage with us, live in relationship to us as father. And so even if you're in here and and you didn't have a dad, or you had one, but you might as well say that you didn't, can I remind you of Psalm 68, verse four and five? Sing to God, sing in in praise of his name, extol him who rides on the clouds, rejoice before him, 
His name is the Lord, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. Psalm 10, 14, but you, God, see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider their grief and take it in hand. The victims commit themselves to you. You are the helper of the fatherless that God says, hey, every single one of you, I don't know what kind of dad that you had, but can I tell you about the kind of father that I desire to be? That woven throughout the scriptures, God reveals himself as, desires to live in relationship with us in the form of a kind, compassionate, ever-present, graceful, merciful, heavenly father. He is your father. That's who he desires to be to you and for you. And so many of us, like we have, see, what you think about God is gonna shape your willingness to follow him. And see, some of us, we grew up with a dad that never hugged us, never loved us, never told us anything, always broke promises and never showed up. And you're saying, all right, Matt, the physical father, the one that was in my home never did those things for me. And you want me to believe that there's some God in some faraway place that I can't see, I can't touch, I've never felt, and he's supposed to be my heavenly father? Yeah, I want you to believe that, because it's true. And see, so many of us, our view of God has been so distorted. Our view of our heavenly father has been warped by our experience with our earthly father. And part of the reason why God gave us this book is to calibrate that image and show us of who he desires to be. And all throughout Jesus' ministry, the, the name that he uses for God often, if not always, is Father. Go to Matthew chapter 5. Verse 16, Matthew chapter five, verse 16. This is Jesus. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Not glorify your boss, not glorify your, your ruler, not even glorify your king. And look at me, he is all those things. He is all authority, he is sovereign, he is the ruler, he is the king. You with me? Say Amen. But how he has chosen to live and relate to us is as our father. And Jesus says, live in such a way that when your father looks down from heaven and sees your life, he's glorified through everything that you do. You, you ever said this as a, as a child or maybe even not? Hey, dad, watch. Hey, dad, watch me. Come on, you're a little kid. You're about to do something stupid off the edge of the pool. Hey, Dad, watch me. Get on your bike for the first time. Hey, Dad, watch me. You're stepping up to the plate, and you're gonna miss that ball and just hit that tube holding it because you're terrible. Hey, Dad, watch me. I've, I've coached some in my life, too, and I've watched those kids, and when they step out onto the plate or step out onto the field or step out on the court, you know what they do? Dad, watch them. And so many, far too many, look to an empty seat. But look at me. You have a heavenly father that's been watching you since before you were even born. (laughs) 
Jeremiah 1.5, even in your mother's womb, he took notice. He's seen everything you've celebrated and everything that's caused you to mourn. He's watched every hurt and every celebration. He has been watching you from the beginning, desiring nothing more than for you to acknowledge him as who he wants to be in your life. He is your father. Jesus talked about prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Like all throughout Jesus' ministry. And you don't understand. Like when Jesus starts called, referring to God, the God, as father, it wrecks some of the religious people in their day. Because they, they had this really fearful reverence. A holy reverence is good because God is holy and he should be revered. You with me? Say amen. But it was this fearful thing of where they even created this thing, Yahweh, because they couldn't say his name. And then Jesus comes on the scene and says, hey, when you pray, just, just call him dad. For us, that doesn't freak us out. For them, they'd have been like, no. No, he says, yeah, you, you can call him dad because that's who he wants to be in your life. That's who he's shown himself to be. He has shown himself throughout scripture to be one who desires to live in relationship with you as father, son, father, daughter, you are his child. And he's made himself known. His attributes and his character, not just through the pages of scripture, but through the life and teachings of Jesus. Do you remember this moment? John 14. Go to John 14, verse 8. Philip, one of those first to follow Jesus, says, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Verse 10, don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. That Philip, the Father that you want to see, you want to know the Father, I've been showing him to you this whole time. If you've seen me, you've seen him. It's just another reminder. You know that, that Jesus didn't come to this earth just to die for your sins. Yes, he came as the perfect, spotless lamb of God to be the one that needed to be the sacrifice necessary to make us right with God. But he also came to show us how to live, how to interact with people, how to love other people, and to give us a window into the character and nature of the Father. Like that's how much God wanted us to be known that he sent Jesus in this planet to help us get to him, to give us the only way to him, but to also say, like, here's who I am. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen me. We are one. And he is good and he is gracious. And Jesus would teach us so much. Again, go to, go to Matthew chapter 7. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Verse nine. Which of you, if your son asks for a bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, 
know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Like all throughout the scriptures, God makes it clear. Like he he doesn't want us to look at him as this far off distant deity that's just waiting for us to mess up, step out of line so he can hit us with a bolt of lightning just to show how powerful he is. Look at me, if that's your image of God, look at me, it's wrong. He is holy, he is glorified, he is sovereign, he is all those things. But he has made it very clear in his word and through the life of his son that he wants to walk in relationship with us as father. But something stood in the way and he knew it. This relationship that he desires to have as father, son, father, daughter, us as his children, wasn't possible as long as sin was in the way. Because he is holy. And he can't exist in the presence of that brokenness. And there was nothing we could do about it. So he dove out of heaven and came to earth. And he went to the cross. And Jesus gave up his life to be the sacrifice that you and I needed to get the sin out of the way so that we could live in relationship with the Father. The whole of the gospel is so that we could live as children of the heavenly Father. Go to John chapter one. John chapter one, verse 11. John's writing about Jesus and he says, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him yet. To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. That Jesus came and he's on the cross, and he takes the sin of all humanity So that what separated us from living in that intimacy with the Father could be dealt with. And when you give your heart and life to Jesus, when you trust the sacrifice he made on the cross, when you confess your sins and repent and acknowledge what he has done, that sin has been removed so that you can live in the fullness of the relationship with the Father and all that comes with it. And the whole of the New Testament is unpacking the riches of that glory, the inheritance given to us. Your dad might not leave you a penny, but your heavenly father offers you all of eternity. And today, we're gonna watch people go through the waters of baptism. That's a symbolic gesture. Nothing special. That water does not save anybody. The blood of Jesus shed for us is what saves us, but it's a symbolic gesture. The washing away of the sins because of the blood of Jesus. It's a public declaration to the world that says, I have accepted the sacrifice of Jesus. I have been made and new in him. And today, if you're getting baptized, everybody's getting baptized, look at me. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It means you are his child because you have accepted the sacrifice made for you so that your sins could be dealt with and so that you could live in intimacy with God the Father. And John would write in 1 John this beautiful passage, man, that kind of encompasses the gospel in so many ways. And if you're getting baptized today, I really want you to lean into this. And you know what? Maybe you're here today 
and you had not planned to get baptized. But you know today's the day. There's something just as we've been going throughout this morning together, like there's a stirring in your heart. There's something that's happening and you know that like, man, I had this really bad dad and it skewed my, my image of who he is. And, and I've been so bitter over that one that I haven't been able to see him clearly. But now I know I'm reminded that my earthly father does not properly reflect my heavenly father. And even though I feel that hole inside my heart, I know that God can feel it and he's the only one who can. If you want to get baptized today and you didn't plan to, that's all right. We got towels, we got shirts, we got shorts, we got everything you need to go through that symbolic gesture and acknowledge your faith in him. So if you feel that stirring in you, I want you just to listen as I read. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? I, I want you just to hear these words and just center in on my voice for just a second. It's First John chapter four, starting with verse nine. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He's given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus and there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. If you're here today and you already know that you're getting baptized, I'm gonna ask those of you who are getting baptized, go ahead and get up out of your seat. Head out the back doors to my left right now. Some of our team's gonna meet you. Go ahead and go now. If you're getting baptized today, go ahead and get up from your seat. Head out to that door to my left. If you're here today and like you feel the leading of the Spirit, you feel God saying, hey man, today's the day. We've got everything you need to be obedient to that leading. So if you're here today and you, you didn't plan to, but you want to, go ahead and go now. Just get up from your seat. It doesn't matter. You don't have to tell your friends. You don't have to explain it to anybody. You just step up in obedience, head out your seat, go out those back doors. There'll be a couple members of our staff, our team there that will walk through you with you some, through some instructions just so that you're ready. If you're ready, go now. Like, it's okay. Being obedient to God is worth going home wet. It's all right. Just get up, head out your seat, go out through those doors. There'll be a couple members of our team ready to meet you. I'm gonna ask the rest of you, if you would, go ahead and stand on your feet. You know, I love that story of the prodigal son. This young man who thought he knew better. So he asked for his inheritance and he took off. And the Bible says that he just spent most of his life chasing things, trying to find fulfillment before they came to the point where he squandered everything that he had and he hit rock bottom. And in that moment, he realized he needed to go home. 
And even though he had hurt the father deeply, he had wounded him for sure. And he had run for so long and he had squandered that inheritance. The Bible says that that father saw him from a long way off and said, it's time to party. Because <laughs> my son has come home. And there's some people in the room, God, the father's looking at you and saying, it's time to come home. It's time to come home. You've been running. You've been looking for me in places that I can't be found. You've been trying to fill that God-shaped hole in your heart with stuff that's never gonna work. And God's saying, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. His arms are open wide, looking at all of his children saying, come home. So God, I pray that we would just fall at your feet right now and worship you for the Father that you are. God, we're grateful that you are like a father and when we're wounded and we're weary, you invite us into your lap to be held by your mighty hands. And God, today, I pray that everybody within the sound of my voice leans into your presence and just rests in the reality that you are Father. It's all you've desired to be for us for so long. And God, thank you for making it a way for us to live as your children and walk in intimacy with you. And Father, we pray that right now you administer to every heart in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening to the Venice Church Podcast. We hope what you have just heard has inspired you to live and love like Jesus. If you'd like to know more about Venice Church or to get further connected, we invite you to visit us at our website at venicechurch.net. We'd also encourage you to download the Vintage app. There you can find more resources about how to get involved and grow in your faith. You can access the Venice Church app by going to app.venicechurch.net. Thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of your spiritual journey, and we hope to see you soon.